Well, you're my daddy. Start with the review. Start with the review? Let's get yeah, let's get it going. Okay, right into it, huh? Right into Make it. sure you stay on that mic. I am on the mic. I know, I'm just saying. You don't have to get defensive. I'm just, it's just a friendly reminder. Fine, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> if your dad produces podcasts, then okay. <laughs> Whatever. Well, you're my daddy. <laughs> you weren't supposed to say that on the show, John. I haven't had nearly enough beer to, to justify that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you haven't, actually. Were you pre-gaming on me? Uh, no, I wish. God, I wish. <laughs> Did you come from home? No, I came from a hotel. Oh. Well, that's your current home. I don't want it to be. <laughs> it sucks that I have to live out of a hotel. Did you just get like a two-room thing? Nope. Is everyone in one room? <clears throat> one room, two queen beds oh, at least. That's, that's miserable. Yeah, especially since it's me and my son and her and my daughter, and my son takes up the whole bed even though he's like that big. Got to be kicking him back into place. I don't put up with that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. All right, so we have a review. We do. So thank you. Yeah. We appreciate it. We always appreciate reviews. That's from that's one of the uh, they say, John, that reviews plug into the algorithm, and, and maybe when people search for Salesforce on <laughs> iTunes, it, it, it might show our podcast one of these days. There's so many. Things. No one has told There's me still why that's a problem. What's going on? We there? have another problem. Like you can't type good day without using www you can't type in gooddaysirpodcast.com and have it route correctly which i think is a hover issue we mean have it route to what to www so if you you have http https gooddaysirpodcast.com it does route correctly but if you don't specify http or https it doesn't reroute you no, you're wrong about that. You're getting you're getting something confused. Are you so if I go to just gooddaysirpodcast.com, you're saying it doesn't redirect me to the www? Right. Okay, that's so you can put a redirect on your I have a forward set up for it, but it's not working. I don't know how I, expect I don't know to. how forwards work. Um but yeah, usually we usually wanna you have to define one of them. I can't remember which is the best way to do it. Either just the bare domain name or the www. Well, I've tried, but Hover likes to inject HTTP in front of it every time I try it. What do you mean inject it? When I click save on the forward and I just have no no HTTP. Oh, like header. what do you do? Are you editing your DNS zone file or what? What are you doing here? Or is this? It's one of their tools that they offer, okay. but I'm mod- modifying the forward. Okay. That they, you know. Yeah, it should. I mean, so yeah, you should be able to forward from the root domain yeah. to www. And then you also should set up www as a C name to the root. Which it is. Okay. Yeah. Just mainly, I mean, there's several reasons. Just makes the web work better, but also um, you won't have a problem with Google penalizing you thinking you're putting up two different sites with the same content. You know, then they yeah. they strike you down for that. Well, I might need you to look at it just to tell me what I'm doing wrong because I, as far as I know, I've got everything configured right, but it's not working. And a few people on the community have told me so. so yeah, thank you. I had to dig, speaking of domain stuff, it. DNS stuff. I had to dig into um, got all this um, SPF email stuff. Do you ever had to deal with that? So there's a sender. Pr- provider framework whatever the hell it's called but there's like yeah there's um so in order to get emails actually delivered um if for like for your domain if like you're sending email from mm-hmm. you have to set up um at least spf some spf records which basically just indicate where your emails emails are allowed to be sent from essentially there's also this other standard called dkim which has some signing and, and it's really it's more about Tamp- you know, proving that it's not been tampered with, so I think right. there's I think there's some kind of 
<laughs> signing of the uh, of the email content. Fix that, Jeremy. I know. Yeah. What's going on here? Yeah. And I thought my refrigerator was supposed to be able to order the milk automatically when it was low, right? I don't want it to. <laughs> you know, I've, what I've, and the we've flying cars. We tried that um, delivery service with the grocery stores, and we've learned. Here we go. Don't rattles. do it. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, and they they, suck. unless you're going to get like the stuff that comes off the shelf, I know, like the box stuff, and yep. you have a brand name. But they're not going to pick your meats right, and no. they're not going to pick your oh, vegetables no. right. No, no. I've seen them walk around the store. They just grab some random yeah. thing off of it. I'm like, yeah, we're not. O- only in America would people allow someone else to pick their meat and produce for them, and fish or anything else. Like that's yeah. just. I don't think any other culture would hand, would accept that. <laughs> you know, the moms, and not to be like, pay, what you know, um, what's the word? Patriarchal or. Um, Patronizing? No, anyway, but like, you know, the moms and grandmas would, mm-hmm. you know, they, they would absolutely insist on picking out their own, uh, yeah. Or, or was I being, am I being patriarchal or heteronormative? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many syllables in that <laughs> yeah. for me to understand it. <laughs> okay, uh, we promised uh, to read a review about 15 minutes ago. Yeah. Well, the title of this review is Great Podcast, Great Community, and it gave us five stars. Wow. That was from Sigmund here in the United States of America. Oh, awesome. Uh, he says, uh, or they say, I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> fun and interesting Salesforce podcast. John and Jeremy are fun to listen to with great chemistry. I always learn a lot. Be sure to check, uh, be sure to join the Slack community. I like that. You can plug the Slack community. Yeah. Which is a great community, by the way. It is. I find it very helpful. And, and it, it's interesting. I, I, I want to be careful because words matter. As my as my elementary school keeps emailing me to to tell my kids, words matter. Um, words do matter. And the Slack is not our community. The community is all the people who have met each other and who have built relationships um, just around. You know, I mean, started by this podcast, but it was really just the seed of you know to, to start something. Yeah. Slack is just the tool we use to communicate with. We could change that out one day, and with you know. We decided Slack sucks, which it does in some ways, but I don't know if anything's a ton better yet. It's it's okay. Yeah, yeah and it's you know it's not perfect. We don't pay for it, so it you know you only get your whatever was it ten thousand messages and everything else yeah. falls off and off the face of the planet. It's fine. I guess. I mean, it's kind of annoying that uh, there, actually there's some positives to that. Sometimes I don't want my stuff yeah. preserved for all time. <laughs> <laughs> you mean like on a podcast when you have to beep someone for like. 10 seconds or yeah. so that was. Oh, yeah. Last week. That was pretty bad. <laughs> I wonder if that was a record. We should keep track of the duration of beeps and see which one's the longest. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, Slack is our, is our tool that this community uses to, uh, to stay in touch and to communicate and help each other out. And uh, So, actually, dear listener, and I, there's a lot of you, and you're probably you listening right now. I'm talking to you. There's a lot of you who, aren't, who have not joined our, our Slack team. So if you, you know, if you would still haven't checked it out, I th- think you should just at least check it out, see if it's for you or not. It's a very, it's a very uh, friendly place. You don't mm-hmm. have to worry about, you know, there's skill levels from zero to, you know, 50 certifications, right? Zero to 100%. <laughs> yeah. For anybody um, gets that reference. But the way you join is you just go to gooddayserpodcast.com, if I can say that. And you can probably put the www or not. It's up to you. You may not get redirected correctly, but you'll still get to the website, right? <laughs> I think. John, John will work on that. But anyway, then you just click on community, and you put in your email address, and John will add you. Yep. Thanks for the review, Sigmund. Reviews, I think that is one, one good way that helps people find us. But the best way is actually, I think, just still good old word of mouth. So you got to tell your friends yeah. and your coworkers and 
the people that you hang out with, at your user groups, and all that stuff. If so, nothing else, it's just great to get feedback. That's true. No, I do like that. Yeah. And if you want to send us private feedback, that's the thing too. I, I totally like that. People, that, you know, there's there's people email us things that you never hear about because they just want it to be private. They just want to send us some kind of note or complain to us or or try to sell us ads or get their CEO on our on the show. <laughs> But, uh, or, or, or more accurately, tell us what we got wrong. That's true. That's totally fine. <laughs> and, and I'm more than happy to, to make those corrections. But um, yeah, so our email address is info at gooddaysirpodcast.com if you want to get in touch with us. So what do you want to go to next? We have a couple of topics proposed by the community, some new stuff, and then we've got uh, some release note stuff. So I had one follow-up, um, and some people chimed in on it too from last week. I think I talked about how I needed to, I was trying to use, um, and I, I forget who pointed me to this, but thank you again, but to use the uh, SFDX, you know, command line, little NPM tool thing to uh, to do, uh, to query and make SQL queries and generate CSV results with fairly large data volumes, uh, north of 10,000 for sure. <clears throat> and turns out that that actually does the fits the fits the bill really well um, but the only authorization method I've ever used with SFDX is either creating a new scratch org from scratch which I think you know automatically like it, you're, you're authenticated to it or using the was it force auth login or whatever it is or, mm-hmm. or you basically go through the you know opens up a browser and you go through the OAuth dance so right. right and then it gets a, like I guess it's, it probably saves a refresh token somewhere inside the bowels of SFDX. <clears throat> um, and I'm thinking, well, this is probably going to be on a headless server, and I don't know how I would do that OAuth thing, so I'm not sure how would authenticate. Well, anyway, so there are a couple other methods. One of them involves having to generate x.509 certificates and all this stuff, which is, you know, okay, yeah, sure, use the three command line things that you paste in to do some open SSL stuff. Mm-hmm. But this client, I'm like, yeah, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. And they're run Windows boxes. I don't know how open SSL works on Windows. Maybe it's the same. I don't know. But I don't want to mess with that because it's probably not the same or something weird will go wrong. Yeah. Um, but there's this other uh, option that is, um, it's called the force auth URL method or something like that. But basically, if you can manage to get a refresh token, all you do is create a text file with a like a it's like a URL or a it's a URL or URN kind of format in a way, um, and you, it just it's like a URL that contains the refresh token. And I also had to include what I have to include um, the client ID, the client secret of your OAuth or of your whatever the what they call them? the app, the mm-hmm. connected app. Yeah. Um, and you, you do, it's one command, it's like an SFDX force auth, like auth URL or whatever, and you, just, you pass a parameter that's the, the file name, and then it sucks in that file and just grabs a refresh token out of it. And then I, I think from then on out, you don't have to have the file anymore. So you can delete the file, because you know, having a file laying around with your refresh token is dangerous. I mean, right. yeah. even on a secured server, you'd, I'd still always try not to have any secrets sitting on the hard drive. Yeah. And memory is a little better. So like environment variable or something would be better. But in this case, luckily, I think once you do that auth thing, again, I think I think SFTX sucks up the refresh token and hides it somewhere, probably in a Java key store or something, I don't know. But um, so then you can I think delete the file. And then from then on out you just you can do anything with that org you want to. I mean, just pass that U parameter or whatever to specify what your username. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So that worked great. Um, yeah, because uh, Shane McLaughlin was was uh, 
we, we were he was you know giving me some info on it and um, he was talking about also that the x.509 certificate which I guess is what kind of this has been the go-to because I think the force auth URL is newer I, I guess I think it's relatively new in fact I think I went in the docs that released notes I saw it was kind of new so I think people are probably more used to the having <laughs> the old way yeah right? I guess but this seemed way easier the tried and true yeah I mean it worked just fine so yeah. so that's um, yeah that's I mean if you need to just on a you know as a part of scripts or some kind of scripted integration just have something in an automated way pulling it data out of Salesforce in large volumes with CSV that's a great way to do it yeah you can also I think I was I was thinking of doing the data loader you can kind of automate that too yeah we talked a little uh, bit about that but yeah. this was just easier so I mean seemed easier I don't have to mess with jar files right <laughs> <laughs> which I'm very used to it's definitely my wheelhouse I just you know if someone can just do npm install sfdx dash g or whatever that's pretty easy way to get all the binary bits you need yeah okay that's my follow-up we have another follow-up okay segues into the release notes the because you, you to to solve for that solution you were also using the bulk api and we've got bulk, oh yeah yeah that's true api mm -hmm. 2.0 coming up saw that and i knew it I, I had looked at because I just did a bulk uh, an integration with bulk, but I, I I purposefully chose the version one API, and I can't remember the two why. Two was beta. I think it's going GA. Is that right, or is it? it or is, is it, it go be, from developer it, preview to and beta? And also, it's like I feel like bulk two. It, it's almost well, it adds. The it's truth. almost like CSS levels. That's not. They're not new versions. They just add to the existing. And so I feel like bulk v two added new stuff that I didn't need, and my tooling already supported one. So I'm like, oh, one's fine. And and also the tooling I was using it handles all the off stuff, so I didn't I didn't I wasn't having to worry about all those ridiculous things you have to do to create a bad job. But it's 2.0. <laughs> well, so yeah, so I did see that. I mean, the big thing is in 2.0 is number one, it adds I guess query. Well, shit, bulk one had queries, didn't it? I think it handles the queries differently. Maybe it does. Um, but the big thing is is it bulk two supports, um, I think the OAuth authentication. So you don't have to do, you don't have to paste in SOAP messages to get to get a to get a, mm -hmm. a session ID and then all. I mean, this ridiculous like seven-step protocol for actually creating a batch job. Yeah. <laughs> um, but someone was saying, I won't name any names. I remember who it was, and they knew who they are. Um, someone was saying the other day in, in the Slack though that the limits are different. So I think with Bulk 2, in some ways you have better limits, which is what attracted this person to using Bulk 2, but then they realized they were hitting other limits, and it was a, more of a pain in the ass, and they just wish they would have stuck with one. So mm. if you're thinking to just watch out for how the limits are different. Is it just me, or does it seem Salesforce is getting a little bit more aggressive with releasing this stuff as developer previews? I mean, I feel like when I was looking over these release notes, I feel like I've seen, or I was looking at more developer preview, more disclaimers, more beta versions than I have in the past. So aggressive meaning they're releasing things sooner than they would aggressive? Kind like, of. Uh, I think so. Um, I mean, uh, there's just been a ton of stuff that's gone through developer, or some kind of, is that what they call it? Preview or developer preview? Yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll start okay. with a developer preview or, or a pilot. Or they'll do, a, it depends on who the audience is. I mean, usually if it's customer facing, there'll be a pilot. pilot. Yeah. You know, usually if there's a specific use case they're trying to solve for, they'll stick it in a pilot or if it's something. But I don't know. I just I just felt like I was noticing it more this time. Or maybe just the documentation has gotten better at calling it out with that huge yellow border and everything. Yeah. And I'm just noticing it more, but it just seemed like there was a lot more, at least from the developer side, the metadata stuff, the 
Lightning Web Component stuff. Just everything, just about everything I looked at had some kind of disclaimer. Could also be that, I mean, as just Salesforce grows, they're just adding, there's just more stuff. There's more, there's more stuff being thrown at the wall, you know? It's like, there's just more, there's, the surface area is bigger, so there's just more stuff. Yeah. So is a higher percentage of it going through preview first? I don't know. But I'm kind of glad it does because I'd much rather them at least let us know what they're yeah. doing so I can kind of plan around it. I mean, I don't, you're not supposed to plan around it, no. but at least you know that, hey, this thing might be coming and it, it, it could change how you plan, I guess. Um, it, that's better than them waiting until it's in beta. Yeah, I mean, I, I subscribe to that mentality, but there are times where I'm like, I kind of need this and I kind of want to use it. Oh, I don't. Not, not for customer stuff. And, unless we have a various <laughs> conversation, I'll probably get them to sign something saying they know it's in pre... I mean, because the thing is, is like, it could go away. It could change in a way that's totally going to break. Or um, it could cost like an, you know, an unacceptable amount of money. We had that situation. You remember when we were, um, I guess, using the export feature on reporting? I think that's what it was. was still very much a hack. I mean, it was... It was. It is a hack. It was a hack. What export feature? You can you can basically call the same URL that exports a okay. report or something. Yeah. And I think we were we had some kind of library. This is way back, way back when. As long as you don't need more than two thousand records or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we had this we had this library that our one of our developer colleague friends had developed, but he put this disclaimer in it saying that this was an unsupported feature. It's essentially, just calling out it's a hack in the code. And the client did a code review on it and saw that note and pulled the plug on the code. Was that the first time they were told that it was unsupported? Because if so, I don't blame them. I don't blame them either. I mean, I'm I'm happy that disclaimer was there because, I mean, that was the whole point. It's like, we found a way to do this. It's not documented. It could break at any point in time, but it gets you where you need to do today. Do you want to take that risk or not? Is essentially what the the comment was saying. Mm -hmm. The client decided not to, but, I mean... Although that thing has worked for like 20 years now. <laughs> yeah, but none of our uh, uh, JavaScript injections work anymore. No, they've they found ways to remove all those. It was funny because even Salesforce Professional Services was doing that. I put a link in here in my very limited show notes here about remote development. What is this? Oh, it's the it's the VS Code. Is that the is that the Docker thing? Yeah. Did you look at this? Uh, I saw it and I didn't care about it. I, I saw. It. <laughs> I, I didn't. I was. I just glanced at it and was like, oh, I don't get the. I don't get the use case, and I don't. Wasn't understand. it running DX in Docker or something? No, it's vis- It's well, I don't know where DX is running, but it's. It specifically just talks about uh, Salesforce extensions for VS Code support remote development allows you to create a container as a full feature development environment. So I guess I guess maybe that what that means is you can spin up a container like a standardized container that's got a standardized development environment and run VS Code on your top-level machine just directly on your OS mm-hmm. that connects into the, pro- the Docker process, maybe. I'm, I'm not sure. I, but anyway... Um, it's some inception-level so code. It, it kind of is, and I, it's, probably, it's actually probably not that complicated. Um, and in fact, there was some discussion in the Slack about it, and it, it made more sense. It's like, oh, okay, I, I kind of get the use case now. I forgot what it is already, but... It, 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 I, the use case doesn't make sense to me at all. Yeah, it, go back and see if you can find that in the Slack. Okay. Read about it. Um, it, might, really it might make sense Slack. to you. I, I, I try to keep up, um, but I, I, it's a best effort. Is that, is that the term? <laughs> it's the best effort. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm on the Salesforce floor now. Did I tell you that? The Salesforce what? Salesforce floor. 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 Okay. Floor. I thought you were trying to say flower. 
Fleur. Okay. Oh, in your office building? Yeah. 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 Any anything interesting going on there? Or? No, they're they're booth hogs. <laughs> or like the public booths? Yeah. <clears throat> so in it's your, a WeWork building or yeah. a couple of while they're in business. Yeah. I guess didn't they just IPO or something? It's like they're just a disaster of a company. I know. I mean, I. I don't know. For the past year, I've just there's been so much negative news. Like one of their major investors pulled out, and they I don't know. They just it's such a weird Ponzi scheme. The way what they're doing with real estate, and they're they're kind of their CEO is rigged up this thing where they're like he's buying the real estate and he's having the company like lease it or buy it from him. It's just this. It's like it seems like the biggest scam ever, mm. but <laughs> apparently there's a rational explanation for why he's doing that. But I think it's I think it's just spooked a lot of people. Yeah. But I think it's short-lived. I think uh, I think Salesforce or Dallas is getting a Salesforce tower. So I think there is a building under the works that's getting can, a tower. Can't have, can have a, a city left that doesn't have a Salesforce tower. No, no. So I think we're getting our own tower, and uh, most of those people will get moved over there. So which tower do you think Salesforce will pay the fee to put their name on it? I don't know. There's there's a couple under construction around our area that they're probably... Oh, they'll probably be an existing one. Yeah. They'll just buy no, the no, rights no, and put their name on it. No, there's some nice ones going up right now. What are you, the Dallas construction master now, or no, what? I just I, I stare at it. It's actually, it's actually kind. So, it's nice going to Dallas. We're not. It's not nice going there. Traffic sucks. Yeah. But it's nice being there. You know, you're up on those, these high rise levels, and I'm in the art district. So there's a park, and there's food trucks, and there's the, all the museums like the Arboretum and the Dallas Art, art Museum and the Perot Museum. Okay. Oh yeah, you're over there. Um, yeah. Isn't like the Meyerson nearby? Oh, and that KPMG's got a nice. Um, they actually have a nice building. They're, it's actually owned by the Hall, the Hall people. Mm. Um, but they have, um, there's a there's like this whole really nice area outside, and there's like two or three levels that are like, it's all art. Anyway. Yeah. So I like it. I know. I just, I, that was funny. Because I, I don't think they're, they're not like salespeople. They're, I think they're some one of their app teams or something that's in that building. And you can... Oh, they've got salespeople here. I don't know if they go to no, that No, no, no. They, they do. They do. But these aren't the salespeople. Okay. Apparently... Some partners' mm-hmm. office there, and hoping to be close to maybe your maybe your se- maybe your security review rep works there. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just funny because I'm moving up, and all the all. So we work. I don't know if you if for those who don't know about we work. It's just like a co-working space, and they have these booths where you can go in and take a quick phone call. Oh, the, they're, the phone booth. Yeah, they're, they're okay. tiny little. Oh, booths. and Salesforce hogs those. And yeah, there's just like this whole row of them. Not only do they have some in their internal area, which I can't get into. But the, all the whole public access ones, and they were just filled. They were just sitting there. I mean, it looked like they were there for like yeah, just camping hours. Out. Yeah. Do those have AC in them though? No. Yeah. That's so. that's why I was. That's why it caught my attention because I've been in those for long meetings and it sucks because it yeah. gets hot. Some of them have like this kind of USB plug fan, but it doesn't do anything. It's just circulating your hot air. Anyways, what was my yeah. And considering when it's like hundred degrees, or what's that like thirty-eight Celsius? What's oh, hot today? Yeah, it's just I would not want to be in one of those booths for more than about five minutes. Yeah. Uh, so I, I thought I'd go through some of the stuff that I pulled out. Okay. There's, got, there's one. Oh, you got one? I mean, I just, I made a short, I, I got about, I don't know, I kind of just popped around the releases. Let's see overlap. Yeah, exactly. So and I actually started with a lot of non-developer stuff. You want to, you want me to start with some I of that? I actually stayed away from the non-developer stuff. I, I felt like last time Good. when I tried to do re, uh, release notes, I focused too much on the non-developer stuff that I never got to the developer stuff. No. So, I don't know. All right, so this is the big one. This is this is a non-developer one. Okay. But I think this is a big one. I think everyone should clap their hands and celebrate for this wonderful feature that we now have, should have access to, 
access to the recycle bin in Lightning. Yeah, I had that on my list. <laughs> I mean, it's I, there's so how, many, how long has Lightning been on? Five last years. Last night, <laughs> in the middle of the night, when I'm trying to uninstall this application, and I have to like get rid of dependencies because there's some of them report dependencies, and when you do that, you not, not only do you have to delete the reference to the report and to the folder that creates that dependency. You have to go and empty it from your recycle bin, yeah. which means jumping into Classic, going in, empty your recycle bin, jumping back to, to your Lightning tools. I mean, it's just one fewer thing that you have to go to Classic for, right? Yeah. But there's a lot of things like that where you have to clear the recycle bin in order to release the dependency. Yes. And so you yeah. end up jumping back and forth quite a bit. Or, or can you hard delete custom fields yet in, in Lightning? Or do you still have to go to Classic to do that? I think you still have to go to Classic. I think you do. Yeah. Because yeah, I haven't do. seen... Uh, yeah, I, don't, I still don't think Lightning shows you that list of deleted fields. I don't think it does. Yeah. yeah. So, that'll while, make, that'll, while I'm excited that, about that getting that feature... That can throw a wrench in your deployments, by the way. Yeah. I'm excited about getting that feature, but it's kind of one of those things like, <laughs> why didn't we have this sooner? Uh, but it does look like a better UI. It looks more like a list view UI versus that kind of weird... My... I, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's there. You'll have it. Um, I, I looked through some of the web component stuff, getting back into development stuff, and I wasn't there wasn't too much in there that caught my attention. Um, we've talked about this before, and I mentioned it before, that the UI namespace is going away, and that's starting to come to fruition with this next release, where they're actually going to start deprecating anything that, that's in that UI namespace for components. And they're asking you to move to the Lightning version yeah. or the Aura version. Actually, they're, they're telling you to go to the Lightning version. I was going to ask you, are there any... Is there anything in those that UI namespace that is still needed or useful? They were just really base components. I remember having to use the base, I think, formatted date component because the way Salesforce's Lightning version of it or Aura version of the date component was really weird on how it translated the dates. And I could never get it to work properly, and so I ended up defaulting to the UI one, and I could get that to work. Um, I don't know if it's been fixed recently because I haven't had, to, haven't had to deal with dates that way, but um, that was one of the things I, I defaulted to. But it, it, was, it always felt like this kind of base-level component that I had access to. Um, but I guess we're not going to have that anymore. Mm. So, goodbye. So I saw it. Let's alternate here. Um, so I think this is well-known, but Lightning is going to be turned on for all orgs in Winter 20. Yeah. And they're removing the option to disable it. Mm, yep. I didn't think they were moving the option to disable it. Are they? Um, yes, they are. John. Yes, they are. That's right. I remember talking about it and what they were going to do. Users can still gonna, switch back to classic. It. They can switch to it, yeah. but it's always going to go back to lightning. Yeah, you can't disable lightning. Yeah, That's crazy, yep. but okay. Yep. Um, I don't know how this is going to be any different from Aura, but lightning web components is going open source so that you can potentially build these, use this framework in place of your React and your Angulars and all that kind of stuff. Just use Lightning. It's, so it's, it's been open source, right? No, it hasn't. Okay, because we've talked about it being open source. Well, we've talked about them shows. talking. So they did announce they were going to go open source, and so now it's in the release notes officially that it's going to go open source. I mean, it's been open source. I remember going to the GitHub repo previously. Okay. Well, it's officially... I mean, I don't know how long. Maybe it's only been like a month or so. So maybe this probably the first time this has made it in release notes. Yeah. I mean, I remember them... Unreleasing Aura from open source. Is it ever open source? I mean, again, I, this word open source, I don't, they, I think they need to go look at the correct definition of open source before they call it open source. Yeah. I, guess, I guess my question with this is 
are people really going to use go to Lightning Web Components outside of the Salesforce world to do stuff? I don't. To me, it's all about like the the developer the development model or the the developer aesthetics of it. I mean, the reason people like React and Vue and these things is because of, of the of the model that you're working with. Again, I, I is that a, is that a proper term? The developer model. It's just it's it's the stuff that developers. It's it's the surface area the developers are exposed to when you're building yeah. stuff with it. It's you know, it's that's that's part of what it is, and that's one thing I think Salesforce has lacked is that again, that developer experience. Um, and if, if LWC has as good of a experience as Vue or React, then maybe, maybe I will use it. Um, are people that aren't in the Salesforce space going to use LWC? No, it, they're not going to get any kind of traction like that. Just like database.com didn't get any traction, just like Aura didn't get any traction. Uh, so I wonder, happen. and I. I the one thing I can think of that might separate them from everything else is the security model. The fact that they've had to deal with this very unique situation of having multiple components from different vendors running on the same page. I mean, I know other people are trying to tackle that, like um, WordPress is trying to tackle that as well right I now. I wonder if that's even exposed as part... Is that even is that in the same layer, though, as, as the LWC front-end JavaScript stuff well, is, it's, though? It's all wiring, because it's... What it's using, it's using Shadow DOM for encapsulation of that. But there's tons of back-end crap that's also driving that, and then it, ha- it had to be part of it. I, it might be. I yeah, mean. I mean, there's a lot of work there to hide the existing DOM from your JavaScript, hide all of the, and provide wrappers yeah. or overlays well, and it, to all and these it, other native it, DOM features. Yeah, and it, it takes away your access to, like, I don't know, it's like, doesn't it take away your access to, like, the window object and all this other crap? Yeah. So, so I mean, I mean, I mean the only audience I can see for something like this is someone like a WordPress who has this basic platform that they want to be able to put all these different components from all these different vendors That's where true. they could use this as a springboard for that. I still don't... If WordPress or someone like that wanted to do it, they, they would just build it. They wouldn't well, I think use they Salesforce. Are. Yeah. I mean, I think they're going that way with some of the newer stuff I've seen, but... So, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's ever going to do that, but I mean, I mean it's there and one, it's an option. Again, I, I, I don't know if I'll call it open source. I'll... I'm not sure that's what it is, but it's 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 out there. There's a GitHub repo. Uh, you can presumably log issues and send them pull requests. And I don't know how. I don't know if they work with outsiders. If they accept pull requests, I mean, if if so, then you know that's that's the whole point. Of that's one. St- I was going to say if, if if they do, if they can check those boxes, and that's part of what's required to really call yourself open source in terms of. I mean, by the by OSI's definition, really anyone's proper definition. Um, uh, it looks, I mean, I went and looked at it. It looks like, I mean, I don't know. I didn't dig into who's submitting pull requests to see if there's any non sell I mean, everyone I clicked on that seemed like they were Salesforce employees, but maybe, maybe there's, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, is there a public bug tracker? I mean, for all the bugs, not just the ones they want to show, I haven't uh, even that you can go it. grab a bug and then submit a fix and send a pull request. Oh, I mean, click on the link and go. I, I did. I looked at it. I, I just, unless you really try to su- submit a pull request and get involved in the development process, you, I, I don't really know for sure. Well, there's nine pull requests right now. Hey, Apache Camel uh, released um, our they released fir- stuff? first. Yeah, they did a first nice. first release candidate for version three. So big version three, big release is is in the works. Jeremy is finally paying it forward right now. Yeah, yeah. Mainly for selfish reasons. I've yet to yeah, pay I've anything got, forward. I, I did realize though, I need to be <laughs> all my contributions. I just do all my work and then send them pull requests. But I make it easy. I mean, I make sure everything's mergeable and I set it up and nice descriptions and everything. Um, 
make, it, mean, make it easy for them. But, but those were big submissions. Those weren't some just of them. Like no, one some or of, two lines of code. No, no, I mean, no. that was massive. some of them were, were thousands of lines of code, and but some of them are small too. It was just kind of a mix of things. But uh, what I realized though is that if you don't first open a Jira for your issue, and then and then op- and then send in your pull request, mm. then you don't you don't make it in the release notes. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm not in. I, I think I I think one issue. I think the first pull request I did, I opened a Jira first, and the rest of them. I'm, like, I'm gonna see if I can just get away with not doing a Jira because I just don't want to do a Jira, you know. But if you don't do a Jira, it doesn't show up in the release notes because that, that's auto, how auto generating release notes from the Jira. It, it's it's either auto or maybe that's where maybe they do an initial from the Jira and then probably maybe do some hand tweaking or something. But clearly, it's like they're all Jiras. I'm still trying to figure out my release notes. Yeah. I you know me. I like things to look good. Even my release notes, because it's a document that yeah, I'm putting yeah, forward. Right. And I'm like, this is plain text, boring shit. I want, I want cool stuff. I'm okay with simple, though. I don't need, I don't need drop shadows and shit on it, my It's not for notes. anybody's benefit but my own, since I have to spend so much time right you have now a doing lot of, You have a lot of work to do, though. I know, you I know, I know. You should keep your release notes simple. I know, I do, on. I do, but I, the, there's a part of me that just wants to geek out on it a bit and, you know, do some, some nice yeah, pretty yeah. things with it. Hey, John, a 10X developer wouldn't do that. <laughs> not a 10X developer. <laughs> Well, barely making it, developer. I've got so much work to unravel. Every, yes, you do. Every time I think I've got a handle on something, another problem comes up that I have to dig in, I have to pull a thread, and it becomes a nightmare. I just... There are times I want to cry because I cannot understand why it was done this way. Um, I, well, no, no, I understand you need, why. You need to, I understand you need why. to stop trying to understand. No, no, I understand why. I do understand why. I do understand why. But at some point, they should have pivoted. At some point, they realized there was a mistake. You're assuming assuming that the people that were working on it were incentivized to care about the long-term viability of the product. Yeah. And I just... Again, this is... You know, it's interesting. I'm always thinking about just people I do business with. Like, you know, I I need... You need to make sure everyone's incentives are aligned enough. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it'll make you realize you need to change how you incentivize people. Like, if, I mean, if people are just incentivized to log hours, then they're going to log hours. Yeah. But are they incentivized to care about the long term? And it's not just about money either. Right. It's about process and how you treat people and how you involve them and all. There's a lot of it's multifaceted, you know, that the whole thing of getting uh, just, I don't know, getting people to do good work and, and having a good team, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that factored in a lot to my decision to leave my prior company because they 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 had money they had the ability to pay you and they had projects but there were so many things wrong about the way they managed them the way they sold them and what I had to do to try to recover from it it was just insane yeah um, yeah but anyways off that subject okay so I have some throwaways here on the LWC stuff that I don't really care about but I'm gonna toss them out okay uh, new package name for testing with Jest eh, I haven't started using it yet but I don't even know what that I means. will care about that. Okay. <laughs> uh, communications across uh, Salesforce UI technology. So there's a new messaging component that will let oh, you the, communicate yeah, the, between. I saw that. From Lightning to Aura to Visual Force and that kind of framework, which, in my from my perspective, is valuable because I'm dealing with this kind of transition period, where I have all three technologies. That is I this have the, to deal is with. this a Lightning message service? Yes. And it's it's across Aura, LWC, um, Visual Force. Visual Force. Yeah. Yeah, that I haven't used it yet, but it 
looks like it would solve some problems in a way that prevents me from writing a bunch of it's, my own plumbing code that I don't want to write. It's a tool that can be abused. Sure. I know. You're, you're, you have such PTSD right now, John. I know. <laughs> I'm, you're I'm, so, dealing you're with so damaged. I'm dealing with a really bad event system right now <laughs> where everything is an event, everything bubbles, everything I can't. And, and, and I'm kind of glad LWC, I'm glad and I'm not glad. I understand why LWC restricts the event system within the component hierarchy, uh, whereas I don't think Aura does. You can basically broadcast a message. I, well, component events do stay within the hierarchy, but then you have the app events, and it gets kind of ugly and complicated. I come from a world. I, I mean, I come from the, the Windows world, and you you had event systems. In, in a world. In a world, Windows world. <laughs> I, I've dealt with events. You know, I know that it's going to submit a message and everything's going to see that message and it, I just have to consume it and tell it to stop propagating and all that kind of stuff. But this is different. Web events are really different. I don't know why. This web browser event system is just really ugly. Cause it's, it's not a JavaScript. browser event system. It has nothing to do with a browser, really. I mean, it's, I mean, it's Java. Okay, it's JavaScript. Yeah, okay. I mean, I guess I'm using the two interchangeably. I guess I'm just saying don't blame the browser. I don't think it's a browser's fault. Either way, I just... I can understand Windows.NET development event system pretty easily. It's really clear and understands how things have propagate and how, how you consume it and how you stop the propagation. But the JavaScript event system just seems so weird because you, it's functional. And things can be functions and things can be callbacks. And it gets really ugly. Yeah. And so, it's, so when someone abuses that power, it's really hard to understand it and, and unkink it and figure out how you're going to resolve it. Well, that's why like, on, on more dynamic languages and, like, and, and also I think functional languages, which JavaScript is somewhat functional, I would say. Um, I know people, the Haskell nerds or whatever, will disagree with that. Um, but it's, it's more important to actually, I think, to have, um, what do you call them? Like state, not standards. Um, Protocols? No. Um, like the guide, like coding Best guidelines, or no? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> just like you know, things you're allowed to do. Multi-resource things- documentation. <laughs> <laughs> Multi-resource documentation. Did that you see that somewhere in the show? Today? I had to get that in. Yeah. yeah. Multi-resource. Get out of my face <laughs> with that stuff. Um, well, now just um, get guidelines. Coding, coding. What are they called? I can't even think of the word now. We have like coding standards. I guess they're coding standards. Yeah. Like these are those kinds of things we allow. These are the kinds of things we don't. Like in Java, for example, some some common things like uh, don't you don't use star import. So you can't say like import java.util.star. You can't. Don't do that. You just yeah. you you need to import each individual name that you need, right. so that you don't pollute your namespace unknowingly. Yeah. Just like you know, there's and each team can make different decisions on what they allow, what they don't allow. Right. That's like really important in these dynamic and functional languages. Like, how do you do stuff? I mean, because it's the language itself. Like, JavaScript is actually a fairly simple language, but it's super pliable and just and kind of dynamic, right? I mean, yeah. it, I mean, anything can be a function, an object. You know, it's like you, which you, you can pass cases, around anything. I mean, which in some cases is really valuable. It's nice to be able to kind of take a property and turn it into a function and have it return a value without with very little yeah, effort. in composing functions, I mean, it's, all, it's, it's super useful, but yeah. you, know, you can do some just unreadable stuff, some yeah. poorly maintained, just things, I still don't like things doing things that are hard to understand. I mean, the more powerful your language is, like, the more you should be able to write understandable code. Yeah. I think ES6 kind of resolves some of that with, like, the map and filter functions and things like that, which I, and the, even the 
arrow syntax, I think, is really nice and easy for me to understand. Um, Do you understand how the arrow syntax changes what this means? That's, that's like the main reason I use it. I mean, it's, it's a shorter syntax, obviously, but it also changes what this means. It actually preserves the scope, the this that's in scope. Yeah, um, yeah things are better scoped, yeah. yeah. It, for me, the arrow syntax, it, uh, it, this is more often what I expect it to be. Right, yeah. <laughs> I still feel weird writing stuff that I know is scoped and reusing variable names. I still feel really weird about it. Like, I won't do it. It's, yeah, it'd be dangerous. Yeah. That's, that's actually, I'm just thinking that's some good, that'd be some good interview questions for like a front end developer. It's like just JavaScript scope stuff. Yeah. Well, it still makes my head spin. But mine, mine too, a little bit. Like, right. Uh, <laughs> I never know. Well, I know when to use a let, but it's like everything's a constant now, which is weird to me. Because I mean, all my life variables constant. were things that you can modify. You know, they weren't immutable. Well, so and so what? Now okay, the okay. Let's, is, talk, let's talk about the difference between let and var. So let has scope, whereas var doesn't. Well, they have scope. So var gets hoisted. Yeah. Let does not get hoisted. Right. So let has more truer lexical scope. Yeah. And const is just good, a good technique just to make sure that something it's, you don't accidentally you're not going to change it yeah yeah because yeah. I mean, it's all it's you're preventing accident uh, accidents that's why and and i'm not sure how much i support this because i mean i've been working with a lot of other people's code mm -hmm. and some people you can tell they just like i mean everything they do like in this java code like everything is declared final except for things that just absolutely can't be and so like yeah. it's just like every other word in the code is final 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 it's like Okay. Oh my God. Is that? And then I'm like, I. I mean, technically, it's a little more safe code. You're, you're not going to accidentally assign something else to that to that name. Right. But, good God, every third word in your code's final. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's what it is because we're using constant as more of a permission perspective on a variable, kind of like a, an attribute of defining what the permission is for that. Whereas my my earlier days, and I don't know if this is even correct, but the way I rationalized constants in old day code. <laughs> old day code. Is that like old, Way back, old time? What's this song that kids are listening to? Now? Old time, old time road. Old time. It's like <laughs> old day code. It's 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 a, a Soul Town Road now because BTS got has a version. Uh -oh. <laughs> anyway, what, tell us how you rationalized constants. So I ra the, the way I rationalized constants was it was a it was a compiler kind of keyword. That would tell it find and replace everything that uses this. Well, it kind of was. And do that, yeah. And, the and so when mm -hmm. I see constant in JavaScript, I'm like, find and replace my variable. I I created this and stuck it here. It's not a it's not a static value. So it in my head, I, I have this mental block on it. Is it not semantically the same though? I mean, that's kind of what. Because I remember back in the day, well, like because C languages have evolved to the point where you can do that. Before you couldn't. Like earlier languages, a constant was a static value. You could only assign a static value. You couldn't assign a variable to a constant. But now you can. Oh, oh, oh! I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're talking about initializing the mm -hmm. constant value. You, you, it had, to, it had to be a, a literal. It couldn't right. be, be a literal. Yeah. yeah. It couldn't be a, a variable. Right. Well, in the, right, and that's because I don't, I don't know how modern all these modern VMs and stuff work. JIT VMs. But um, like C compilers, I mean, if they see a constant, they have the option to basically in inline. Mm -hmm. And anytime you reference that constant in code, yeah. to inline the actual right. the literal value to, to make so you, it's one less lookup, one less jump operation, right. and whatever assembly, right? Um, 
And the only way you can inline that at compile time is if it's a literal, if you're assigning a little to that console. So that's why in some of those languages, yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, JavaScript, though, can, can you assign a const from a, from a variable? You can assign a variable to a... To a yeah. You, you can initialize a const with a variable. You can initialize a, a constant okay. with a variable, okay. yeah. And that's the I mean, I guess there's no compile time with JavaScript, so why couldn't yeah. you, right? <laughs> I mean, it, compile time is runtime. It's, it's right. JIT compiling, so... Yeah, so it's... I mean, it's basically taking the place of a final constant is in JavaScript, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And that's the kind of mental block that I have when I use it. I mean, I use it. I use it by default because yeah. that's the best practice, but... Uh, so you just have consts everywhere then? I have consts everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially especially when you're talking about we're talking about arrow functions and creating all these closures and everything. I mean, it can actually it can save you from bugs. Mm-hmm. You, you you'll get a an easy to figure out like error instead of instead of just like wow, why is this not work? Uh, why you know it's like running but it's yeah. not doing what I think it should. And like you have to go through this like you could spend a day debugging something like that trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah. You're like ah, oh, you know, like the you finally realize it. And you're like God, that's so dumb. Like such a such a quick little fix, but you didn't know what was you know. This doesn't jump out at you, whereas if you just make all these things const, that, that can be const, um, it saves you from those types of bugs. Yeah. Well, some of the tools try to help you with that, but that's what it's 10X, much... That's what 10x developers do, John. Is it? <laughs> uh, let's see, what else did I have on the throwaway? Uh, Lightning components can access public Apex methods. Oh, no, I had a question about this. I don't know what this means. So the title of this release note is Lightning components can access public Apex methods only in the same package. I think it's a new... The way I read that is a new restriction. So apparently there was this attribute or some annotation you can make that says public method no namespace accessible. Yeah, I and that would yeah. I, I never knew that existed. I, I don't even know what it's for. I, mean, I don't either. Now, so, what I think it is is because with uh, packaging 2.0, you can have multiple packages with the same namespace. And I think this is a way to plug a hole in accessing methods across that namespace since they all can be... Since they're all going to be the same namespace, you have to plug the hole of crossing that package line. Yeah, it de- de- definitely seemed like it was a second-generation packaging thing. Yeah. Anyways, I read it, and I was like, I have no idea. I'm stupid. Yeah, <laughs> felt the same way. <clears throat> uh, on the Apex stuff, uh, I had a few that I highlighted, but the ones that I don't really care about, or not that I don't care about, but are notable mentions, are callouts are excluded from long-running request limits, which is nice. So yeah, you, have, I saw this, that. you yeah. have this concurrency. I didn't even know that that limit existed. So oh, I've run into it. So if you have more than X number five. of open executions that have been running for more than five seconds, yep. how many is that? How many how many executions can you have running at a time that have lasted over five seconds so far? It's only that's what that's the that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's and the limit is five. So you can you can have five executions that are running more than five seconds. And then it blocks everything. No does it new block or does it throw an exception no, and fail? Blocks. It just blocks. Blocks. So no new, no new concurrent executions. Per can happen. org? Yes. Even works with like a thousand people. Yeah. Huh. And I, I have run into it with an integration with SAP, where we were trying to. Because some stuff in Salesforce, even just like basic stuff, takes more than five seconds. I know this because I had to go into uh, the Camel Salesforce component and change some like default idle time, like the default mm-hmm. idle timeout that the HTTP client uses when it ca- talks to Salesforce, just because some basic stuff to the rest, especially the first time you run it, it's like it's yet, it, the code hasn't warmed up yet. Five, it, it would actually, um, some HTTP client would fail. It, it would throw an idle exception after five seconds because right. Salesforce hasn't re- hadn't finished the answer yet. It hadn't right. returned anything yet. And so, if that's all I have to do to get something to last more than five seconds, and I can only have five of those at once in my entire org of a thousand or ten thousand people, then that's a problem. How's that? Not? Surely people are getting that limit increased because 
Yeah, so people are probably queuing up all of their calls and everything. Does that include like batch jobs? Yeah. What? Yeah. That's insane. How have I not just tripped over this limit every time I... I've tripped over it. (laughs) Really? Is it... it, it, You get a good error message like, hey, you have more than five call-outs that are... Yeah, you get some weird concurrency issue. Huh. And then it blocks all other communications from happening. Good God. Yeah. No, the life of a Salesforce developer, huh? Now, I got it because I had some long-running call-outs because it was taking a while for the web middleware web service to respond back. And this was this was one of those high-volume Middleware web service. It's yeah. a nice... It's a, I'm trying been to read CIO, CIO Magazine, John? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to be a CIO someday <laughs> and get out of this development stuff yeah. and just, just buy Salesforce and make my bonus. Exactly. Go to Go to board meetings. <laughs> no, I'm a, I want to get go to Dreamforce and get taken out for staking hookers. Oh, that's true. And then go to board meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk, about, talk about the business. The business. Growing the business. Okay. Accelerators. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Synergies. Synergies. Yeah. yeah. Leveraging. Leveraging. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, now I forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> Let's see what I... Let me, let me go a couple here. Um... There's a new mobile app. I missed that one. It's all new. Um, oh, no, I didn't. I didn't. That's right. It's going to be available the week of uh, October 14th. That's why they got rid of the mobile developer cert, isn't it? I don't know, but you're having to do some planning, If uh, I guess. Well, I think because the Lightning, you can develop Lightning components now in Salesforce proper that will work correctly in it. I don't remember the... I haven't had to do much mobile, so yeah. it's not a world I'm in. I also realized because I was looking at um, like what's going to be available on what platform, and there is not mobile platform parity across Android and iOS. iOS, there's a lot of things that are only available on iOS. Because Android's so splintered. It's the new Windows. What? I mean, you're just okay. That's an idea, but you're just speculating. I mean, I don't know why. No, Maybe adoption rate of the latest version of, of so Android. So the specific features I'm looking at that I saw, you know, that's because of Android fragmentation? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Have another beer, John. <laughs> I got one more left. I know. Uh, what else did I have? And I saved the heavy. So I had the lightning. So I had that. Oh, um, the strip inaccessible. Oh, I love that one. That's on my list. That's gonna. That's moved to beta. Beta. Speaking yeah. of things moving out of preview. So that's the thing. Instead of having to do all of the manual work to which I'm on the verge of having to do, so I'm like biting at the. Let me finish my sentence it. so people know what we're talking about. Instead I'm, of having, I'm, I'm trying to build this up. It's called. It's called. Um, people don't suspense. know what we're talking about yet. Okay. Let me suspense. say what it is. So it's instead of having to manually determine which fields a user should be able to interact with, which you, which you have to do, it, especially in it's it's it, it's a mainly the problem with ISV packages, right? Um, so if I have to manually do that. There's going to be just a platform function that you can essentially call and strip inaccessible and it just removes all the inaccessible things from something. I guess it just does a lot of this for you. So now, if you're nice. using Visual Force to control that, you're fine. If you're using uh, Lightning data services, you're fine because it does all that for you. But when you're querying data and displaying that in your own custom UI, that's where you need it. Yeah. And that's where the, the uh, code review analyzers are going to flag you for it because if they don't see some kind of call to verify some call to one of the APIs that ver- they don't even know. No, they don't. They just see the transaction say. log <laughs> yeah. and it goes, did you make a call yeah. to see if they have permissions or DML permissions to this? Now, why are they... You- why, hey, John, let me ask you this. Why are they not using Einstein to, why, to validate all this code? Because it's a separate system. 
I'm just saying, shouldn't Einstein be able to do that? It's, it's AI. I mean, it's not Salesforce. It's doing at, the coding. They should be able to look at the. Well, why not now? They have Einstein. Why shouldn't? Why isn't Einstein doing all this code review? He's a toddler right now. <laughs> He's still growing. Still growing. To that his may, big that could, could be in the works. Um, and then also this metadata component dependency query is going beta. It's basically you can. That's on my list. Yeah. So like any. I guess you can, I don't know if it supports all metadata, but the idea is you can just, you can query to see if any, if any say a field or a page layout or something has a dependent, there's any, if anything else depends on it before you delete it. I'm not excited about it for me. Well, I am excited for me, but I'm not planning on using it directly. I'm hoping that the, uh, my, my IDE vendor will implement it for me and I can just go, nope. Show me the um, dependencies. Yeah, that would be nice, actually. Just right-click yeah. on some, a piece of metadata and yeah. Yeah, show dependencies. I mean, the alternative is I write a tool that's going to do the things that I want. Because I've written these tools before. It's mainly for reports because well, I had to figure out what... I, so yeah, I, was, I, I had to find, find out field, defen field dependencies on reports. And so I wrote this huge... And it was huge because I had to... John's jazz hands right now. Because <laughs> I had to... Because you can't download all the reports. You have to... Name, you have to name them one by one. You have to batch download them and everything just to get all the metadata for it. And the folders, too. And the folders. Yeah. And navigate that. And understand that, like, the private folders are the user ID. Yeah. And yep. All the crap you can't do with that. But anyways, I had to get the metadata so I can analyze it. And it's basically just like a regex script. So it was slow as hell. Download everything. <laughs> run the regex to find my dependencies. You know. So I had the script where I would say, okay, I'm looking for this field. Are there any reports depending on this field? So I can figure out if I needed to blow it away. I will say, with at least with an illuminated cloud... Uh, it has implemented find usages in a lot of cute ways, interesting and useful ways. You just got to try to use it. Like, oh, for example, I use it like crazy. I mean, you can open up like the like the like the, the all the S object definitions mm -hmm. that it creates or whatever. You can go to any of those and like yeah. just go to a field and say show usages. You can, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do so, show usages on that you pro you may not know that you can. Yeah. Oh, I, I probably know because I use it constantly with this. I, mean, I feel like I still find things. I'm like, oh shit! I didn't. I, I mean, I'll try it, thinking I, this probably is not going to work. And sure enough, it works. I'm like, holy crap! Yeah. <laughs> the only part where it's kind of iffy on is the JavaScript stuff, and I can't fault uh, yeah, like it. No. Well, because it's not. It's not. Uh, JavaScript is it's it's an indeterminate language. It's a dynamic language, so you can't. You have to. You have to basically run it. It's like it's mm -hmm. reminds me of. Um, uh, what was the. Um, uh, what 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 was the language that had the refactoring browsers? What they call the IDE for it? Um, refactoring browser. Uh, refactoring browser. What what? Yes, okay, Squeak. But well, Squeak Squeak is the new. I don't think oh, I know about gosh. this. You know about Squeak? No. Okay, so Squeak is the new version of it, and I still let's see if I can tell me the name. Smalltalk. Oh my gosh, I couldn't. I kind of think of that. So, yeah, I don't so basically, I mean, Smalltalk is one of these languages. The only thing that could interpret Smalltalk was Smalltalk. You had to basically run. Smalltalk had to run your code in order for... What and that's what it did. And that's why it could refactor like such a dynamic language. that Because that, Smalltalk is really dynamic. And, is that a browser thing? No. It's like before browsers. Huh. I mean, well, I think Smalltalk small seems like it's before the internet got big. I could be wrong. Anyway. Well, I'm excited for that one. Yeah. Um, we talked about Query Builder 2.0. Talked about field level security. Uh, did you say Query Builder 2.0? I did. I meant Query Bulk API. <laughs> Just saying words, huh? Yeah. You know, something will <laughs> stick. Oh, oh, this one I'm excited about. 
Uh, we get our own hammer. How, do, how so? Our own execution hammer? So you know how when Salesforce is about to do a release, they run their hammer and that supposedly does some validation across everything? Uh, well, yeah. ISVs are supposed to get access to the hammer as well. So they'll be able to run, they'll be able to run tests against current installs of new releases to be able to see if they're going to break anything. Oh, that's cool. Uh, th- there's another component to it, which is the ability to run subscriber org unit tests, which I guess is a good thing. Isn't so, that kind of hammerish in a way? I mean, well, that's what it does. It okay. plays into hammer. So mm-hmm. hammer facilitates that communication. But why is it called hammer? I have no idea. Okay, I just don't know if that's some programming term I'm not aware of. Or well, ask Brett. He's got the hammers. Is that is that where that came from? From Brett? Yeah. No, I mean, is that where Brett got it from? Uh, there's a there's an old saying like everything uh, it's, uh, there's like it's a hammer to every developer or a code is a hammer to, it's, it's some weird saying I've, well if your only tool is a hammer everything looks like a nail there you go okay that's what it is Again, words <laughs> John I'm four deep into my flight the, you have your tolerance is is so low I don't drink anymore I know that's what I'm saying that's why you, you're not doing it right you gotta Sad. you need to drink heavily every day solve that problem I did get some whiskey <laughs> for my birthday you thank you by the way because yeah, I heard you made that yeah. suggestion <laughs> what'd you get. Four roses, single barrel. Okay, yeah, my my go-to. Yep. Yeah. It's still at the office though. Maybe I'll keep it there. Sometimes, sometimes you need some whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a little excited about the hammer because I think, especially right now, one of my biggest issues is: am I going to break something, at create some regression? I really have no way of knowing if I'm going to create a regression. And of course, that doesn't help you with. Hundreds of thousands of lines of JavaScript, unfortunately. It doesn't. Yeah. But I guess where this does matter in terms of Hammer is if a client is building on top of your technology or your application, they're using your your objects to do some value add specific to them. Um, that's where this kind of subscriber test package stuff can come into play. Hmm. You know, if you have yeah. some kind of partnership with your client that says, hey, we're building this stuff on top of yours. You can say, okay, well, let's let's coordinate this so that when I run my hammer, I can make sure I'm not breaking your stuff. Yeah, that's good. Well, John, we need to wrap up because we're down to one. We've gone through every bar of battery somehow. Oh, so now we're restricted by battery. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the community topics. Oh, God. I think we need to save them because this is going to die. Is it going to die? All right. Let's, let's, we're right let's, in an let's hour. wrap it up. We, got, we can hold those over. It's always good to have uh, content in the queue, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, any final thoughts? Any final words, John? Uh, Sounds. Uh, thank you to everyone who said happy birthday last week. I appreciate yeah. it. There's a, quite a few little clicks on that icon. What are you now? 25? 26? I am 42. <laughs> I am the number. You're the answer to the universe. The answer to the universe. <laughs> yeah, so am I. Yeah. But now, now I can say you're old. You're, you're now as old as me again. Yep. We're the same age now. All right. So we talked about the community. Uh, join our Slack if you haven't. Um, hit us up info at goodday.sirpodcast.com <laughs> hard to say um, yeah we, we definitely like getting emails if you got uh, questions you want to ask that you want us to talk about or just or private feedback whatever's fine too that's just that's how you that's one way to talk to us privately although people DM us privately on Slack that's fine too whatever mm-hmm. whatever's easy tell your friends tell your enemies tell your boss tell your co-workers uh, what else John uh, spam me if you want an ISV channel. I'm looking for volume here. Well, someone, I people, are, people are people have asked for that four. before. They asked for it today. Four. It's not the first time it's been asked for. 
I'm not against it. I just I want to make sure there's enough demand yeah, so too. that we don't end up with you know a 82 channel. channels that are yeah. all, all you know they're almost all dead. So. Let John know. We should we should have a a poll. No, we shouldn't do a poll. We should you should go to our Slack and find that just find the the the, the message where someone said, "Hey, uh, let's create an ISV channel," and you just have to hit that the little what's the whatever the emoji everyone was hitting. Just keep if that gets uh, up I think to it's like a thumbs up right now. Think of that, what should that get to? Let's say it needs to get to uh, pick a number. One million. No, no that's not going to happen. <laughs> How about ten? It's already a ten. Uh, 30. Okay, 30. Let's get to 30. <laughs> to 30. I'll even try to pin it, and we'll, we'll get it there. Okie doke. That's all I got. That's all, all I right, got. Thanks for the beers, because Jeremy's buying my beer. Yeah, as long as my, hopefully my credit card goes through. That Apple card, that thing's titanium. That should always go through, right? That should always go yeah, through. Yeah, exactly. It's backed by uh, Tim Cook. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and to that I say thanks for the beers, and good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.